A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. The word of the Lord. A reading from the book of John, chapter 20, verse 19 through 23. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. Good morning, everyone. Oh, dearie me. Let's try that again. Good morning, everyone. Good. Stand up, please. Today is Pentecost, um, and it says in the scriptures that no one can call Jesus Lord without the power of the Holy Spirit. No one can say, I believe in God, without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a miracle. One of the things that that means is if you really struggle to believe in God, if you really struggle to trust in Jesus, then um, the Lord has not left you alone. The Lord gives his Holy Spirit today, every day, giving you faith that you cannot generate yourself. So what I encourage you to do, all of us, is bring our inability to believe and say, Holy Spirit, will you give me faith that I cannot generate myself? All right. We say together the Nicene Creed. In the power of the Spirit, together, we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen, We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God of true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, 
the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let's pray as we stand. Almighty Father, we just said that we believe in the Holy Spirit, who is worshipped and glorified along with you and your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ. And so, Holy Spirit, we worship you. We honor you. You are God. We bless you. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you will do what it is that you love to do, Will you work within our hearts? Will you cause miracles to happen within our souls? Will you grant us to see Jesus Christ, his beauty, his glory, his goodness, his truth? Will you grant us to see his beauty for us? Will you grant us then to describe his beauty and to reflect his beauty? Holy Spirit, you are the giver of life. Impart it. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please sit down. Um, and if you would, please turn back to our readings. Um, over the last few weeks, we have been walking with Jesus um, on this first day of his resurrection. So ever since Easter Day, we've just ne- we just haven't graduated beyond Easter Day. We just keep on, uh, we keep our camera, so to speak, fixed on what it is Jesus was doing on this first day of his resurrection. And the gospel reading, which was the second uh, reading just read by Jen, um, that's uh, another account of this interaction that Jesus has hours after his resurrection with the disciples, and it transformed their lives for forever. Now, when Jesus rose from the dead, I've been trying to think, what what was his highest priority when he rose from the dead? Uh, And I... I've got three, I've got a tie. Um, I can think of, it seems to be a tie for three, with three priorities that uh, Jesus had when he rose from the dead for this first day, Easter Sunday. The first is that he wanted to clarify to his disciples that he was in fact risen from the dead. He wasn't a ghost. He, he didn't kind of die, but not quite die. He, was, he wasn't half dead. If you've ever seen Princess Bride, which probably nobody has anymore, but in any event, that's an old reference. But um, he, he had properly died, and now he was properly alive. He wanted to show them that he was physically, literally risen from the dead, number one. But then also, crucially, Jesus uh, teaches from the scriptures. We've seen that in the last few weeks from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus teaches about himself to the disciples. In fact, it seems that Jesus didn't really want his disciples to recon- recognize him apart from the teaching of the Bible. But then thirdly, not third in order of priority, I think these are three objectives that are tied for highest priority. The third is this. He wanted to impart the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at our text. You can see it. On the evening of that first day of the week, the doors being locked for, uh, where the disciples were because they were frightened because they'd been traumatized. Jesus had died a few days before. They were afraid they were next. But then Jesus came, surprised them all, and said, peace be with you. Notice that word. 
We've been talking about that. Do you remember the last few weeks? Peace, shalom, the flourishing of life and relationships through the self-giving love of God. That's what we've been talking about. And then, if you notice, he says it again. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord, and he said to them, again, verse 21, peace, shalom, the flourishing of life and relationships through the self-giving love of God be with you, Jesus says. And then he immediately transitions to the Holy Spirit. Verse 22, he breathes on them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, those two things, the peace and receive, those two words go together. Peace, when Jesus says peace to the disciples, he means that everything that had broken the relationship between God and humanity and caused not peace, hostility, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, this relationship has been fixed. There's no more reason for there to be a breach in relationship. Peace. But then he says receive. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit, which means many things. And that's part of the reason why it's kind of hard to grasp because there's so many ways to describe it. But here's one way. He says receive the power of the Holy Spirit so that that reconciled relationship can be enjoyed now and forever. Jesus is saying, receive the Holy Spirit so that you can know the kind of intimacy with the Father in the Spirit that I, Jesus says, have always known. The joy of intimacy with God that motivated every aspect of his ministry. Jesus says, I want that for every one of my disciples. Receive the Holy Spirit. I purchased peace, therefore receive the Holy Spirit and enjoy that relationship now and forever. Okay, that's a little theology. But what is it actually like? Clint, where is that? Come on up, please. Everybody say, hi, Clint. Um, well done, well done. We want to be relational here. Um, uh, Clint is one of our deacons, as you know. Um, we have two, uh, Clint and Novella. Novella, say hi. Novella's our other deacon. Um, I wanted to talk with Clint in front of you all because receiving the power of the Holy Spirit cannot be contained to simply a one-off experience that happened 2,000 years ago to a few of Jesus' disciples, nor can it be contained merely in a one-off experience that, the, uh, that Christians experienced towards the beginning of their life with Jesus. It is something that happens throughout the course of our lives, and I want to talk to Clint a little bit about how the Holy Spirit's been working in his life, in particular reference to something that's happened recently. Now, Clint, um, something happened recently. You know what we're talking about. Yes. Uh, it was unpleasant. It was. What happened? So, uh, as, as some of you guys know, I work uh, with uh, a group called Street to Street, and we do basketball tournaments and leagues, reaching out to youth, most mainly focusing on at-risk youth. So, I was out up in Harlem, uh, up in the upper part of Harlem, uh, out and about uh, checking out some basketball courts, uh, just trying to get some stuff in place, when uh, it was about four in the afternoon, it was almost exactly a month ago today, and uh, I got jumped by a group of teenagers uh, and knocked out. 
So I was walking down a street, happened to get quiet at that point, and they hit me from behind. Uh, some of you guys have heard this. Uh, they hit me from behind, knocked me out, and as far as I can tell, because I was unconscious, what happened is I fell forward, uh, they grabbed me, rolled me over, were gonna see if, what they could take from me when I unexpectedly came to and started resisting them, so I just kind of instinctively got back up, and so they started punching and kicking, and uh, I fought back, and so this was the first time I've ever been knocked out, first time I've ever had to throw punches or anything. It was all very intense, and uh, I have no idea how long everything happened, but I managed to get to my feet a few times, got back down, finally yelled when I realized this was, this was, this is going on, I can't do this. And then they just scattered and ran off. And so uh, in that, that experience, um, I was pretty shaken up afterwards. I ran into a lady down the street. I kind of stumbled down and uh, told her what happened and she looked at me and was just like, well, you gotta call the cops. So, so I called my wife and, uh, and then, <laughs> then, then I called the cops. Priorities, yes, priorities yes. here. Uh, no, right? Yep, and, yep. and so that, that was the, the uh, unexpected experience of that afternoon. Okay. Um, just to pause there, um, that's a traumatic experience. It is, yes. Um, some of us have experienced trauma of various types. Um, as we talk about these things, I'm aware that, that uh, uh, pain memories uh, difficulty could, could come up with people, for, mm -hmm. for people even as we're talking about this. Yeah. Um, talk to somebody, ask for prayer, don't be alone in that. Um, Clint, we've had some conversations, um, so that is what was happening on the outside. You've described to me a little bit of, of what was happening on the inside what do you discern that God was doing spiritually, if I could ask it that way, um, kind of in the moment? Yeah, so I, I've, had, uh, I, I've had the uh, extreme privilege of having some good friends that I have been able to process that, this with, um, to pray through it with, because... That whole experience, it is, it's really intense, it's really traumatic, and it goes by really fast, and then it sticks with you after a while. So, you know, I've, I've, I've been, been working through all of the things that come with that, but one of the things that really caught me off guard was that I didn't feel fear, and that really threw me off, because that's something to be afraid of. So, uh, in the actual... Um, the actual assault and the actual back and forth, what, what I, I've realized was that I was experiencing a sense of God's presence in the midst of that, a sense of God's, God's protection, um, because it could have been a lot worse. It was three on one. Uh, I fortunately did not have any broken bones, have a concussion that, that you know, I'm, I'm almost recovered from, but, but most people, when I tell this story to, their reaction is one of anger. Um, it's one of indignation. They, they're demanding justice, like that wasn't fair. Um, and, and so that, that, that's kind of what you expect. And it's, it's kind of caught me off guard that mm. 
I haven't experienced that. Uh, and the more that I press into it, the more I, I've prayed through it, every time I go back to it, in, in, in the actual moment, it, it's been a sense of, of peace. Um, and not that there isn't other, em, there aren't emotions that go along with that, but, but that's been the overwhelming experience in that. And then in the aftermath, so I ended up taking an ambulance ride. They wanted to make sure I hadn't fractured anything, so I got the neck brace and all that. Um, when I sat down in the ambulance and, and my wife Laura was with me in that, um, I was overcome with two sensations. One was extreme sadness, and another one was a sense of compassion for these kids. Because these, these are the types of kids that, that I... I I'm reaching out to when we're doing tournaments, when we're doing stuff with street, street to street. And if this is what they're getting into in four in the afternoon, um, I was just overwhelmed with like, what, what don't these kids have? Um, what's, what's missing in their lives, whether it's, it's community support, family support, you know, what, what's missing? God, God's not, not in their lives. Um, and I realized that these, these things, peace, um, compassion, uh, have been marks of the fruit of the Holy Spirit mm. um, as, as I've been able to reflect on it more. Mm. When you were talking to me about some of these things, it, it struck me because um, I think it's all weird. Your reaction, mm -hmm. I found surprising. <laughs> I, I was mad. I was mad. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking to you and you're full of compassion. And it, it, it made me, caught me off guard too. Yeah, I mean, I'm still scratching my head about it. And, and, and as I was um, reflecting on our passages uh, today about the Holy Spirit, but not just these passages, other passages of the, in the Bible about the Holy Spirit, one of the things that comes clear, you mentioned the fruit of the Spirit. That's from Galatians. And in Galatians, it says that the, it, I'm paraphrasing, but the, that the Holy Spirit works in us and transforms us and gives us all these character qualities like love, joy, peace, patience, and so forth. But one of the ways to think about it is that the Holy Spirit causes our hearts to resemble Jesus more and more and more. This is one of the reasons that you can't reduce the experience of being filled with the Spirit to one emotion or sensation or individual experience. It feels like a lot of things. And in fact, I think one way to think of it is that the, the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives will eventually have the full range of motion of Jesus' own internal uh, love, joy, peace, patience, compassion, and so forth. Jesus' response to a situation, when we begin to respond in that way, that's an evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in our hearts. And so when I was talking to Clint about this, I thought, my goodness, that sounds a little bit like Jesus on the cross. Different reaction that I have because the power of the Holy Spirit is at work. Now, let me ask you another question. In our conversations, you've mentioned, you, you've gone beyond this, actually. And you've mentioned joy. Yes. What's that about? So, yeah, that's something that has caught me off guard as well. And uh, uh, well, where I go to is actually in Acts chapter 16. I think we actually read it last week. Yeah, um, we did. And it's where Paul and Silas are thrown in prison. And just before they're thrown in prison, they get a pretty good beat down uh, at the hands of uh, a lot of people that have gotten really mad at them in Philippi. 
and their reaction in prison was singing and, and praying, and then this earthquake comes, and, and suddenly their, their bonds come off, and you know, it, 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 it's, it's a weird, weird story. And it, the more I, I, with this experience, I've been like, that's a really weird story, because I grew up in church. I heard that story a lot. It's one of those great kind of missionary passages. And then, you know, having experienced, you know, not, not to that degree of what I think they had, but, but experience vi- experiencing violence on myself. Um, and then in the aftermath, it was this sense of God's presence was with me. And as I've spent time in, in prayer, time in the scriptures and myself, and when I revisit that, uh, that experience, um, I, I do have this sense of joy that comes from the presence of God with me in that. And it's one of those things that it's not an emotion. Mm. I think a lot of times we think joy is an emotion, and it's not. We confuse it with happiness. Um, joy can coexist with suffering. Joy can coexist with violence. And, and that's what was happening with Paul and Silas there. And I think that's something where I was uh, experiencing um, God's presence, his protection, all of these things, and, and joy is the evidence of, of God with us. And so, so that's been a... a I don't know, it's a school of hard knocks, I guess, that I've been experiencing, mm. um, where it is, is it's, it just, it comes from God's presence. It's not something I can drum up. It doesn't, it, it's not something that I can whip myself up into a frenzy and be joyful. It's something that comes from with God being with me. And it's a way that he's been sustaining me through this because there is trauma to work through. There, there, there is physical sensations where, you know, I've, I've, woken up where I'm punching and kicking and, and freaking out my wife. Um, and, uh, and yet, uh, there's still a sense of God's presence with me in that. One of the things that, that I uh, notice, you can see this in both our passages today, but you can see it in a lot of other passages, is um, that the power of the Holy Spirit is typically imparted uh, to people I- who are experiencing some kind of weakness. Almost always. So the, the disciples in our gospel reading, they're experiencing moral weakness because most of them have abandoned, at least the men, uh, the women ha- uh, did much better, but the, the men had previously, just a couple days before, basically all abandoned Jesus when it got really hard. They're, they're, they have a moral weakness. They're guilty. Um, number two, they're, they're emotionally weak. They're frightened in our passage. Um, but thirdly, they're spiritually weak. They don't trust God at all. And yet, despite all of those weaknesses, Jesus shows up and preemptively says, peace, despite all of your guilt, and, and receive the power of the Holy Spirit. This, so you understand, it's not, as you say, it's not us working it up. It's not us becoming strong and robust and amazing. Um, no, it's us in our weakness, in our I can't pull this off. This is everything in the Christian life is above my pay grade, Jesus, and I'm broken. That's a great place to be to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can see that again and again and again. I can show you almost every passage that is about the outbreak of the power of the Holy Spirit. 
there's some aspect of weakness on the part of the people receiving that power. So do not believe that when somebody is full of the power of the Holy Spirit, they're walking around strutting about in their own strength. If you find that, it's phony. People who are full of the Holy Spirit know that they're full of the Lord and not themselves. Be encouraged by that. And this, this sense of joy, let me, let me come back to this, this thing you say about it's a deeper thing than emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, l- l- let, me, let me try on a, a way of describing that, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong. Okay. Um, joy in the Bible, I think, has something to do with um, the, it, 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 it's a way of describing the intimacy of, of knowing God, of, of receiving his love very, very deeply. And the thing about love is you can love someone and have uh, various emotions towards them, right? You have two, two, two people who are very, very close, like you know, two, two, two uh, family members or something like that, um, can be very, very close relationally, but their emotions in that relationship experience all kinds of different things. Sometimes anger, sometimes sadness, sometimes delight. So very, it goes all over the place. And I, it, does that work with joy too, that joy in the Lord, we're aware of this relationship that we have with them. Our circumstances are going all over the place. But underneath that, we have a sense of, the Lord. I, I belong to the Lord, and he will see me through. And at the end of this story, I will be able to look back and say the Lord was faithful. That was a mouthful. Does that make any sense? It you does, guys, yeah. Okay. And, and I'd say that um, it, the way that I've experienced that is when I press into intimacy with God. So when I actually take the time to, to spend time in silence and some solitude and, and scripture and those sorts of things, that, that, that sense deepens. And, and I'm not really all that good about being really, really consistent in that. I'm growing in it. I'm better than I have been. But there, the, the less time that I've spent pressing into that, uh, the more that gets abstracted. And the more it gets abstracted to me, the more I find myself entertaining and agreeing with, like, these feelings of anger and fear and and being like, well, yeah, you know, I, like, this was wrong. You know, this is justice. Uh, You know, the the police, uh, when I I gave a statement, they, they were they're really confused by, by me being up there and they're, they're just like, okay, we're, you know, we're gonna work on justice. And you know, justice is right, um, but, but there's this sense with, as Christians, God's love and justice meet in Christ. Hmm. And I find that the more I press into Christ, the more it's releasing justice to God, um, the more it is, uh, and, and in that, there's this freedom, this, this, this joy that comes as I press into that and release, you know, my, my demand, my, my sense that, okay, this needs to be made right right now. The Lord Jesus wants his church throughout this city to be able to have that testimony. Can you imagine the ways in which we would be ambassadors of Jesus if more and more of us are living in that place. Now, let me ask you a question. So, and you've already begun to answer it. Um, you were there as a missionary. That's why you were up there. Do you still want to be one? Do, 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 has this undermined, has this made you not want to do mission? 
it hasn't undermined it at all. It's actually, so when I went up to the police precinct to make a statement and, and figure out everything, the, the police sergeant asked me, you know, where do you live? And he found out I, I didn't live there. And he's like, well, what are you doing up here? And so I, I told him, well, you know, I, I, I run these, these tournaments and leagues for, for at-risk youth. And we're thinking of moving up there. This is something that my wife and I for a long time have been thinking about moving up to the neighborhood. And he just looked at me and he's just like, you know, classic New York coffee's just like, so you rethinking that? And, <laughs> and I, I was, I, in that moment, I, I was just felt this resolve. I was just like, no, if anything, like this confirms this calling that we have, that uh, these are the kids we're trying to reach. Um, and, uh, and there's going to be opposition. Uh, this, is, this happens to be how it, what it was. But it, it's really strengthened uh, my sense and, and my wife and I, as we, we've been able to reflect on it in the experience, we're just like, no, this, this, is, this is the time. Uh, and in many ways, uh, it's just, just been an affirmation of, of a calling up there. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Sending? As the, how did the Father send Jesus? Well, Jesus and the Father were united in such a bond of love and the power of the Holy Spirit that that love overflowed and caused the eternal Son of God to say, yes, I volunteer to become a human, to suffer on behalf of all humanity in order that humanity's relationship with the Father might be restored. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that, that, um, that moved uh, the Son to voluntarily take upon himself the redemption of the world. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. The Son, Jesus Christ, gives the Holy Spirit to his people as we enter into this union of intimacy with him and his father that love spills over so that we voluntarily want to go as his missionaries and his ambassadors that's how it works that's how it's happening that's how it's going to work in your life and we go with authority the last verse here verse 23 if you forgive the sins of any they are forgiven and if you withhold this uh, forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now the point there is that as the Lord sends us out in mission, we are to reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ, meaning we are to be his ambassadors. And so wherever you see people saying, uh, when the gospel goes forward, saying there is amnesty between our relationship and the Father's, come and receive the gift of forgiveness and peace and the Holy Spirit. Whenever people say, yes, however broken they are, whatever their background is, we are to proclaim forgiven, restored, peace, and receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And wherever that is rejected, then we are to say, you remain in your sin, not as an act of cruelty, but because... We want them to feel and know the weakness which is true, that this relationship has been broken, that it might, that they might come to the place where they, are, they can see its brokenness and desire its restoration. Friends, this is wrapping up. The power of the Holy Spirit is given to every single Christian. It's not just for people with funny shirts. He wears a funny shirt, doesn't he? 
it's for all of us. And it is, the Spirit is given that we may see the beauty of Jesus Christ and describe the beauty of Jesus Christ and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ. So receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Receive it if you're sitting here and you're aware of your own trauma. Receive it into your trauma. Receive it into your guilt. Receive it into your sense of, I don't know why I'm here and I feel uh, useless to the mission of God. Receive it there. Receive it into your weakness. Don't waste your weakness. It's a gift. That is going to be the place where the Spirit of God takes up residence and the Spirit will leverage that weakness and release power in your life and you will describe the beauty of Jesus Christ to those who cannot see him yet. And you will be ambassadors. Amen? Let's pray. Almighty Father, you sent your Son in order that you may impart your Spirit. So do it. You have pour out your Spirit more. Father, I thank you for the testimony that you, of your story in Clint's life, And we ask for the full healing of all of the trauma and the difficulties physically, emotionally, spiritually, fully, in every way, heal. And do the same in all of us. Don't let any one of us remain unchanged and unmoved. Don't let any one of us imagine that the life in the Spirit is something for others but target, even right now, Holy Spirit, target those portions of our lives where we have believed a lie that we are too weak to receive, that we are are too far gone, that we're just not the type for this sort of thing. No. Um, Break down that barrier by your power and fill us with your Spirit so that we would see the beauty of Jesus Christ and that we would be captivated by him, that we would be so captivated by him that we would find ourselves describing him like they did in Acts chapter 2. And then will you make us ambassadors, cause us to reflect Christ's beauty everywhere and give us, every one of us, new opportunities even this week and in this season of describing and reflecting your beauty at work and at home, when we're walking along the street, in our family relationships, in the most difficult relationships that we have, in all of them, work your healing, work your power. We need you. We will not work you up, but you by your promise come down. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, everyone. My name is Jim Saladin. I'm the rector here at Emmanuel Anglican Church. Uh, Our church exists to see and describe and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of our city. And I hope this podcast encouraged you in that way towards Christ. If you're here in New York City, we'd love to see you. Please join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Generosity drives everything we do at Emmanuel. And if you'd like to contribute, please visit www.emmanuelanglicannyc.com slash give.